0: Hey everyone, this is Let's Get Practical with Daryl Girardier. And today we're talking about dealing with digital exhaust. Let's do this. Welcome to Let's Get Practical. This podcast is about church communications from a practical standpoint. It's about what works and what doesn't. It's about helping you cut through all the clutter and noise and getting straight to the point. Today we're talking about how to deal with digital exhaust. Now, when I talk about digital exhaust, here's what I mean. I'm going to kind of define that on the front end. Digital exhaust is, is is a term that I'm actually stealing, if you will, from a lot of different books or actually privacy experts who talk about all the stuff you kind of leave online in terms of like Facebook uh, clicks or things that you do online that companies scrape up all this exhaust and they turn around and they figure out how they can use it to better market towards you. So everybody creates digital exhaust, whether you like it or not. Every time you go on the web, there's cookies involved and there's tracking software involved. You're being tracked. And that leaves a lot of exhaust for companies to take advantage of. Now, when I say take advantage of, that's just part of capitalism. That's what they do. Now, the ethics of that, we can debate that another time. I think there's a good conversation to be had about whether or not a lot of that's really ethical. But nonetheless, they still do those things. So my question for us today is, is how do we deal with the digital exhaust that our church members create when they are interacting with our campaigns? Because when you think about it, you do a lot of work on your communication campaigns. When I talk about campaigns, I'm talking about things that you do to promote something big. If it's VBS, joining a small group, maybe you're running a volunteer campaign. We're all running these large, hopefully church-wide things where you're getting in front of people, maybe on stage, maybe via video, social media, print, email, whatever channel you're using. And you've got this thing that you really want people to do. So you're spending a lot of time and effort on it. And for a lot of us, we spend a lot of time and effort on the digital side with creating emails, web pages, all that kind of stuff. And the only reaction we get back from that, or the only thing we kind of know as a thumbs up if it worked, was whether or not somebody actually went through and committed to do the thing we asked them to do. So, did they sign up for that workshop, that Bible study, that small group? Did they volunteer for VBS? We'll know that because we have those hard numbers to know that those people did those things. But what about the people who were about to commit or in the process of committing, but you know, some point just kind of said. You know what? This isn't my deal. I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if I want to commit to this. You know, in uh, sales, they call that like a abandoned shopping cart. You know, when you're on Amazon and you're about to buy something, and you're like, nah, I don't know if I need that just yet. You leave it in the shopping cart and you just kind of click away. That's an abandoned shopping cart. So that's why when you probably are buying, buying shoes on Amazon and then you go on Facebook and you see nothing but ads for shoes by Amazon because Amazon knows you had an abandoned shopping cart and again they want you to bring you back. So how do you deal with this exhaust? Because Every, all of us are created on some certain level. Well, first let me say that when you're doing a big campaign, something that you put a lot of effort and time into, again, promoting VBS to me is always, Vacation Bible School is always a good example because for a lot of us, it's the big summer event that we do. Uh, whenever you're doing those type of things, it's really healthy and important that you kind of do what I would say is a, a post-mortem, which is once the campaign is over, once the event's happened, you need to sit back and say, hey, what did we actually do well? what actually worked and kind of take a look and say like, you know, if we were going to hit say 300 kids at VBS and that was our goal, did we hit 300 kids at VBS? Did we get actually get that number? Let's say we wanted hundred volunteers because we wanted one volunteer for every three kids. Did we get hundred volunteers? Did we actually hit our numbers? And if we hit our numbers, where did those people come from? How did they find out? Did we ask that? Maybe we should ask that again. You wanna kinda of start peeling back to figure out whether or not our communication channels were actually really effective. And then figure out what did you do really well? What communicated efficiently, effectively? What, what did people really understand well? And what was pretty weak? What was the thing that you thought, man, that was gonna work great, but we didn't either communicate it well or it just didn't hit the right tone, voice feel, whatever it did. People just didn't really act on the thing that we thought they're going to do. Maybe it's a maybe it's an email campaign that you're trying to do. So when you look at all of that, when you go through this postmortems, that's what I feel like a lot of times you can actually find your digital exhaust. That's when you can sit there and kind of go, huh, so we ran this campaign and certain people committed to it, but didn't go all the way through. So let me give you actually like a real life example of this. We just recently ran a life group campaign for what's what we call our small groups and that was like we wanted people to join a group so we call this event group connect group connect is designed for you to want to come and join an actual life group so it's a kind of a big sunday that we put together we actually do a bunch of things where you can actually sign up online and kind of fill out an interest form that you're interested in the life group and you can go have a whole digital workflow by which you kind of can go through and we can figure out who's interested in a life group we also actually have a sunday by which the All the life group leaders will be in the hallway with little kiosks and you can ask them questions and join life groups that way. But I want to focus on the digital component for a second. So when we ran this campaign, we did a couple different things. We pulled together a list of everybody that we knew, was in our church, active in some way, shape, or form had attended, maybe were members, but they were not involved in the group. And what we did was we basically did a MailChimp campaign. So we used MailChimp as our email provider, marketing provider, and we did some very simple marketing copy, which we fall, if you listen to an episode that I think I've written before about how to write for the web, if you listen to that episode, that episode kind of walks you through some of the writing stuff that we do. And so I wrote an episode, I wrote that using the ADA formula, which is described in that episode. And we wrote some really good marketing copy, sent out some emails. We did some A-B testing in terms of our headlines, which which subject line got more clicks. So we kind of did what I thought was a really robust campaign. So we we launched an email campaign that was designed to, again, get people to click, to go to a form, fill out the form, and then we'd figure out who's interested in life groups. And we could do some face-to-face contact, phone you know, notes, whatever that is, to kind of get them into that funnel and into a life group. And at the same time, we also ran a Facebook campaign with those people as well. So they got emails and they got a Facebook campaign that we targeted them for possibly joining our life groups as well. So we kind of hit them from a email side and a Facebook, Instagram side as well. So where did the digital exhaust come into that equation? Well, when you look at MailChimp, one of the things you can do is you can open up a report. And the report will tell you everybody who actually opened up your email, which is great. It'll also tell you everybody actually clicked on your email, especially everybody who clicked on the link that you wanted them to click on, which was the, for us, it was the call to action was, I think, like join now. And it was a button or it was a link. I can't remember. I think it was a text-based link that took them to the form. So I can run now a couple different reports. So I can see who opened it, who was somewhat interested, but didn't think the copy was compelling enough to actually click. And then I can actually give everybody who thought the copy was compelling enough to click and actually did click. So once I get that list of what I would call people who clicked on the link. So, you know, that's my group of like, they click, you know, they're the people who actually the click through, if you will. I can take that list of people and then I can actually get the list from my small group ministers of everybody who we know filled out the form and they'll give me that list. Everybody filled out the form and I can compare people who clicked and got to the form and people actually filled out the form. I'll subtract everybody filled out the form because I know my small group ministers are going to contact those people. And then what's left over is everybody who got to the form but didn't actually fill out the form. That to me is a great list to start working off of. That's my digital exhaust. That's. That's the group that under normal situations, we just wouldn't have ignored. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have thought to go a level deeper to figure out who those people were because now what I want to do is I want to do handwritten notes. I want to do phone calls. I want to do some personalized follow-ups that says, hey, we think you may be interested in this. Hey, what would it take to get you into a small group? What are some of the hesitations you may have about joining a small group? We can kind of personalize things because now the list that was quite large for people who were not involved in a small group has now gotten that much smaller and a lot more manageable. So now I can hand this over to the ministry. So the great thing for the ministry is, is I just gave them a list of everybody who we pretty sure are actually going to be interested in a life group. They just need a nudge to commit. So I've just made their job a lot easier than versus like a cold call, if you will. So I've actually, these are people who've opened up the email, actually clicked on the email on the actual link we wanted to click on, which was to join a life group, but for some reason didn't fill out the form. So now that list for them is so much stronger and so much better for them, it'll make things a lot easier for them when it comes to getting people into life groups. And they're over the moon, over us doing that. And for us, I'm super excited because we're doing a better job of figuring out our campaigns from A to Z and how we actually make our campaigns that much stronger. So what does that mean for you? Well, for you, that could be something simple as running a campaign on Facebook or Instagram where you haven't some sort of thing that's on Instagram that maybe it's a, again, maybe it's registered for VBS and maybe you're just running a little ad on Instagram. Maybe it's not an ad, you're just posting something on Instagram. Look at everybody who likes that post on Instagram and then compare it to your VBS registrations. Okay. So if it's ad for VBS on Instagram, okay, you got X amount of people who've liked that, that ad that you run on Instagram or Facebook and then compare with the actual registrations and figure out if people who've liked it are actually people who've actually registered. Because you'll know that they've had some interest in it because they actually liked the post. Now, whether or not they committed to it, you don't know. Okay. But until you actually go back and look at your registrations. And if you can figure that out, then again, subtract everybody's already registered. And again, now you've just got this new list of people that you think may be interested in VBS because they at least liked the post or maybe they commented on the post. Some way, shape or form, you can start kind of peeling things away and actually get a What I call like a better prospects list of people who may be interested in the thing that you're doing. If you use a texting platform, here's another great example. A lot of the texting platforms that allow you to text in, uh, I think Text in Church is a good example. We use OnlineGiving.org. A lot of them, and I don't know if Text in Church said this, a lot of them will do it where if you have some sort of online form that they fill out, uh, like a chat bot, if you will, even if they don't complete the chat bot, Okay, if they just start the chatbot, in other words, if they text, say, again, let's say it was groups, maybe that was the key where they text into a certain number, and then they get a link to join a live group. If they text in groups, but they don't actually click on the link, uh, I can still figure out and get a list of numbers of people who actually texted. In and then I can take that phone number list. I can actually go to our church database. I can actually plug those phone numbers in and I can compare to people actually registered for life groups. And again, now I've got a list of people who I know were interested in doing a life group but didn't commit for some reason. They didn't click on the link or they didn't fill out the form. That grouping now is somebody I can actually now market to. I can actually, hey maybe do to do a handwritten note that said hey I'd love to go coffee let's talk through life groups i think you may be interested i think i got a life group that's just right for you again that's that just taking things just a deeper level and by doing so you're making your campaigns that much more effective and on top of that you could also ask them hey i'm just that kind of curious why you, why did you not click the link what was the hesitancy why did you fill out that form cuz may may tell you stuff that makes you a better church communicator down the road as you try to improve and optimize your campaigns to get a better reach down the road. So again, that's just a couple of quick, easy ways to do this to, to kind of, if you will, pick up that digital exhaust that you got lying around and make your stuff that much better. Essentially what you're trying to do on a hold is, from A to Z, make your campaigns that much stronger. So you may start out strong, in other words, at the beginning of the campaign with you're gonna unleash all this stuff. Maybe you do videos, maybe you do ads on the website, whatever that is. You may just go all in announcements from stage. But when you get towards the end, you need to do that postmortem that we talked about and figure out what's left on the table that we can still actually work from to actually improve the campaign or maybe even get a better result out of the campaign. Because I think for too many of us, we start a campaign and then we kind of take the hands off the wheel and we walk away and then we run to the next thing. And I don't think what we're doing the best service for our church is, when we should be actually kind of taking it apart from the top to the bottom and going through the whole thing to figure out what we can improve and make things better. So that's how you deal with digital exhaust. Those are some quick ideas that hopefully are useful to you that can make you better as a church communicator. Thanks so much for listening to Let's Get Practical. I really appreciate it. If you like this episode, leave us a rating on iTunes. Don't forget you to subscribe on Google Play, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, y'all take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.